Sunday sit-down with Jared Scaley. Oh, yeah. Every Sunday from 11 to 1 on ESPN New Hampshire. Number 1.5 here, Sunday sit down, ESPN New Hampshire. Uh, 603-883-9900, the phone number to join us. Uh, we're going to be joined by Josue for phone of WEI in just a few minutes to talk some Celtics. Uh, of course, you're listening to us. Tune in app, ESPNNHradio.com, 900-1250 a.m. locally as well. Uh, big shout-out to Phil Perry again of Comcast Sportsnet for joining us in the last segment. Talk to your Patriots. Uh, big game, of course, tonight. Um, but, guys, let's switch gears. We're all, most of us are hoop. Why heads. not? Most of us are hoop. This heads is here. a sports station. And, we, we can talk we, about we other can sports. Other talk about other sports. Unfortunately, it's not all about the Patriots. So, that being said, um, what I want to do is um, talk about the Celtics team and wh- what expectations have been this year. Have they lived up to the expectations? No. Yeah, I'm, I'm with that. No, too. I think. I could go off. You might as well start it off because I might go off. So for my a while. my issue is <laughs> my issue is in the NBA, you are not going to be a top tier team if you cannot rebound. In this team, it's it's like they don't know. It's like they were never taught in AAU basketball how to rebound. It's been awful. Yeah, and especially even losing Al Hor- Al Horford for these couple games. I mean, it's it's noticeable. But even when he was still there, I mean, it's it's not an excuse to not have Al Horford with this horrific rebounding. Yeah, and it's, it's not just Al Horford. I think this team isn't built to rebound. We've seen it. Um, someone who watches like almost every They're game. They're not built for a lot They're of not, things. Th- that's very true. Um, but I, I think the biggest issue is this team doesn't have enough talent. And I've said this over and over again, whether it be pre-game shows here, post-game shows, CLNS Radio, or just here. I say it all the time. This team doesn't have enough talent to show up and not try every game. Here's, here's what I think the, situ- the issue is. This is Brad Stevens, what, fourth year, right? Am I correct? This is his fourth season so. as the head coach. Yeah. Came here that first year, uh, the Celtics sucked. I mean, everybody, <laughs> everybody <laughs> got rid of Pierce. They were bad. Garnett, they were bad. They Great analysis. No, no Rondo. Like, the Celtics sucked that first year, and that was to be expected. The second year, you know, they added in a couple pieces. They made the trade for um, Isaiah. They brought in Jarebko. They signed. They made, they, made, they made the trade away Rondo, and they got, um, they got Jay Crowder. Jay, Jay Crowder, the second year, right? His second year as coach. Uh, and then the Celtics had a magical run with that roster. Everybody, wow, what a run! Eight, they got the eight seed. They're facing. Yeah, but did, 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 you didn't feel. No. Okay, so that year happens. Then they get to the next year. They say, "All right, we had that magical year. We have a couple, of the, pretty much the same pieces. We're talking the third year. You know, you have you're gonna have a full year of Isaiah. You have a full year of Crowder. You're expecting a, a, a com- continued improvement from Sullinger and Olenek and, and Marcus Smart. So that third year, they run again." Uh, they get what the fifth seed or whatever. Yeah, with that should have got the, with, the third seed. But. What, yeah, but the talent on the team was—they just were playing off of you know hustle and grit, and guys just wanted to really Not show talent. up. No, but no <laughs> real talent. You're getting to this fourth year now, and it's like I can't even blame Brad Stevens. I look at Danny Ainge, and I'm saying after those first three years, you're in this fourth year now, and you're thinking. By seeing what the Celtics and Brad Stevens has done with this sucky team this last couple of years, <laughs> why would you come back this fourth year and think that you can ha- still try to live up to the magic of a Jonas Jarebko and Tyler Zeller as top guys off your bench? You're not going anywhere if you're depending on Tyler Zeller to be your top big man off the bench and rebound. That dude is the, the most softest seven-footer I've <laughs> ever, ever come across 
and then Jarebko, I just feel like he's just an absolute waste of time. <laughs> he should never touch the court. <laughs> and then you sign Gerald Green in the offseason. I'm not I saying like Gerald. No, no, I, like I like Gerald. Believe me, waste of space. No, but the thing is, the thing is with Gerald Green. Would you want who would you want taking open three pointers, Gerald Green or Jonas Jarebko? Gerald like, Green. Like at least I'm Jonas not saying Jarebko. Gerald Green. Really? Yeah. No, no, yeah. no, Jarebko, no, no. No. Really? Are you guys watching basketball? Are you serious? What the hell? Did you not see? No. Did you not see the? Did you not see the series? Exactly. Sucked. Yeah. <laughs> Last year in the playoffs, he was nasty, dude. He was killing it. And I went to game four and and six, I think. And uh, dude, he was he was lighting it up no, from the three point line. Absolutely not. Yeah, All right, just because he had one good game. <laughs> well, doesn't yeah, mean have he's fun valid. getting the mic back. <laughs> All right, <laughs> <laughs> All right Joe Sway Buffon, uh, Wei on the show now. Joe Sway, who would you rather have shooting threes, uh, Joe Green or Jonas Repko? I'm gonna go with Jarebko, man. There it is. Come on. This was like three years ago when Gerald Green was a, a, a six man for the for the Suns. Oh, that's a different story. But I don't know, man. This guy is as streaky as they come. We, I mean, when he's on, he's on. But he I mean, you're more. George Jarebko can can miss a couple, and he'll he'll get it going right after that. Can none if of them Gerald be shooting? Green starts missing a couple. He's gonna be missing for the rest of the night. All right. You know? <laughs> none of them should be shooting. Can we just say that? We just don't pass to them. <laughs> uh, just wait. We were just touching on it before we. Just kind of had John here. Um, this team, they don't have enough talent to not show up every night 110%, right? Like, we've talked about this on CLNS and here in the pregame shows together. Uh, they're just not talented enough to really not try hard every night. Yeah, you could say that. Uh, you could say that because I think a lot of it has to do with what Brad Stevens was talking about in terms of how well they were shooting the first, what, three games or three or four or five games. They're one of the, they were averaging one of the, the, the most points in, in, in the NBA. I want to say they were about top three or top four. So I think that kind of takes away from the defense. I think they kind of sort of were, were, were going through the motions on defense and not putting enough effort. But, of course, the last two games, they sort of picked that up. So you can see the difference. So kind of the last – speaking of the last two games, the difference is kind of Brad Stevens shuffled up his, his starting lineup. He started Kelly Olynyk the last two games. It's actually been very good for him. Do you think that's going to be a trend going forward when you get Horford and Crowder back? I think it shows how deep this bench will be when they get back. Um, you know, Stevens can go eight, nine men deep. And if we're talking about Olenek, uh, maybe possibly Jalen Brown, I don't know. I mean, I feel we talk about effort. I feel like maybe he wasn't put enough effort on the defensive end. And that's why we saw James Young playing a lot of, a lot of minutes last night. Um, in terms of seeing that from Olenek consistently, that would, that would be huge. That would be, that would change things for the Celtics in terms of their depth, because not only do you have a big guy coming off the bench and scoring for you, but the way he scores. I mean, if he's knocking down outside shots and if he's actually rebounding like he did against the Knicks, man, that's going to put that's going to put teams teams going to have to go out there to, to, to guard him, and that's going to open up the floor for guys like Terry Rozier and Isaiah Thomas. And when you have when you have someone from the outside, when you have a deep threat like that, and you have uh, players like like like. Uh, even Jalen Brown, Isaiah Thomas, Terry Rozier, guys that love to go inside and are not afraid to, 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 get, to get to the free throw line, that's going to open up shots for those guys. So I think what Kelly Olenek is able to do, or what he's been able to do the last couple of games, if he can sustain that for the entire season, the Celtics are going to be a very deep team. Josue, one guy that I've been preaching on all year um, that really needs to have a decent season for this team to kind of be deep, like you're mentioning, is Terry Rozier. Um, last night, 
he played pretty well. Um, hasn't really lived up to the hype that he's had, considering what he did. Obviously, preseason summer league he looked pretty comfortable as well. But last night he looked pretty confident, and, and the other night as well. Um, really, just being able, willing, and confident to pull up for the shot and not hesitate at all. Um, do you think that's a turnaround for him? Is this a one-game surprise? Um, it's not a James Young situation by any means, but do you think Terry Rozier is start, starting to feel more comfortable in a full speed NBA game? I think he's starting to feel more comfortable. I think this is something that we're going to get used to from Terry Rozier. Um, Rozier is finally starting to find his role. He's starting to find who he is for this team. Um, I think the whole, like, oh, we need you to sort of be what Evan Turner was to us last year, I think that sort of kind of mixed things up in his head because what Evan Turner was was not only a, uh, a, a distributor off the bench, but he was also one of their best scorers at the end of the game. I don't think Terry Rozier, I don't think that's going to be his role. I don't think he's going to be someone that, you know, he has to come up big offensively. I think he's just someone that's going to be a facilitator. And I think his defense is going to dictate how much playing time, how much floor time he gets. And he, he showed size, especially last night against the Pacers. I thought what he did defensively was, was tremendous. You saw the effort that we keep talking about uh, that the Celtics have been lacking. You saw Rozier putting in the effort, effort on defense. And I think that's going to be something that we get used to seeing. Um, of course, he can score. I think this guy is capable of being like, you know, six, seven points per game type of score. Some nights he may even be scoring double, double figures. But I think what keeps him on the floor and what makes him valuable off the bench for the Celtics is going to be his defense. And I think that's going to be something that makes him a seventh, eighth guy for this team. Talking about bench players, and we're um, number three draft pick of this year, Jalen Brown's kind of had up and down season so far. He looked amazing against that Cleveland game against LeBron James. Everyone was like, "Wow!" And then he kind of disappeared the next two games after that. What has been your overall impression of Jalen Brown so far this year? I was big on Jalen Brown going into the season, and of course, that Cleveland game was sort of like, "Wow, this could be it. He could be that guy." <laughs> told you so. But I think what's that? It's like a told you so game for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think it, it goes back to the defense. Um, he's getting people kind of blowing past him. He's sort of holding his own, but it's sort of in spurts. And then on the offensive end, he's able to get to the hoop. He's able to get to the free throw line, but he's not making them. You know, um, the New York game, I was, I was sort of taken back by the 0 for 4 from the free throw line. I think it kind of got in his head a bit. I mean, yeah, I know he's a rookie, and he's going to take him a little bit to, to really find his, his, his role in this team. But I think Jalen Brown is someone that he's he sort of has a short leash, you know. And I, and I was really surprised that he was sitting on the bench for as long as he did last night. But hey, James Young proved that he, he proved himself. He was performing well. He was, you know, doing the little things on defense. He was scoring. And I think that's going to be he's going to be a constant threat for Jalen Brown in terms of him getting his minutes. So I don't know if we're going to be able to say that Jalen Brown is going to be like you know one of their go-to guys off the bench. I think it's going to take a while. But come March or May, I think he'll be able to piece, piece it together and ultimately become one of the first guys off the bench for this team in the playoffs. Watching Comcast Sportsnet's uh, post-game show last night, Chris Mannix uh, made the statement that he feels that Avery Bradley is definitely one of the top two-way players in the league. And just by his play so far to start the season, I think there's a real argument there. I'm a, I'm a guy who believes that, you know, Avery Bradley's career has been somewhat stagnant over the last couple of seasons, and we haven't seen much improvement. But looking at his stats this year, his rebounding is up, his assists are up, and then he's still scoring at a decent uh, decent clip. How do you feel Avery Bradley matches up against other top uh, two-way players in the league like uh, Kawhi Leonard, like uh, Clay Thompson, and other uh, others to name? I think you can make a case for him being maybe 
maybe top five. I don't know. This is again, this is a small sample size. I don't know if he's going to be able to sustain eight rebounds per game the entire season. But man, he's been looking great. This is the best start we've seen from Avery Bradley, and he's just dialed in. I love the fact that Avery Bradley and Isaiah Thomas are sort of making a case for being one of the top backcourts in the NBA. I mean, you talk about Toronto's backcourt. Obviously, the Warriors are probably number one. Um, Portland, I would say, probably number three. But after that, I mean, they're, they're right there. I mean, they're top five. And when you have someone that's getting it done on both ends of the floor the way Avery Bradley is, they're a very tough backcourt. It's funny, I was talking on the um, uh, College Street podcast about crazy scenarios because, you know, of course, we have another DeMarcus Cousin report. So everyone's getting <laughs> all excited. Every like, year. Oh, every year it happens. Yeah, every year. What's this year three or four? And like, oh, what's, this, what's the, you know, you know, Godfather package that you would put together for DeMarcus Cousins? And I'm, you know, I'm saying all different kinds of scenarios, but I'm sort of, I'm sort of reluctant to put A.B. Bradley in that conversation because I'm like, this could be the future backcourt that we've been talking about. You know, the, the, the backcourt that the Celtics have sort of put together on the fly here. I mean, we didn't expect Isaiah Thomas to flourish the way he has, but all of a sudden it's like, boom, A.B. Bradley's found his, you know, He's coming to his own. He's not as injury-prone as he looked the first couple of seasons of his career. He's now emerged to one of the best defensive players, if not the best defensive uh, backcourt defender. So I think if we're talking about top two-way players, you can make an argument for him being top five. I mean, behind Kawhi Leonard, behind Jimmy Butler, you have to mention those guys. Um, Maybe Thompson. I don't know. What do you guys think? Clay Thompson, maybe? <laughs> I mean, after, after you name those three guys. Paul George. Paul George. Paul George. Yeah. Paul George. Yeah, Paul George. I think you could, you could say he's number five. So that's how good this guy is. And I think sometimes it gets overlooked because he's not as, not as flashy as Isaiah. You know, he's not dropping 30 or flirting with a 30-point game every single night the way Isaiah does. But he's just consistent. And that's something that goes a long way for the Celtics team as we've been uh, – going through this Brad Stevens era. That's something that we've always looked for out of this team. And he's, you can say, after Isaiah Thomas is right there as, as being their most consistent player. So I would say, yes, top five, best two-way player in this league. Wow. Why not? Joe's way, though, I've been watching, obviously, really closely. And do you think that his defensive game in terms of Avery Bradley has taken a little bit of a hit because of the offensive uh, burn that he's had to wear on this because of this team, obviously with Crawford, uh, whoa, um, Crowder and Horford not on the team right now because of injuries. Do you think that his defensive game will pick up again once the offensive kind of importance to his game isn't really going to have to be there as much when he's not carrying all the weight? I think it'll pick up a bit, but when you're playing against teams like, you know, the, the Nuggets and the Wizards, you, you can't, that's, it's just not an excuse for the way they were performing on defense. I mean, the effort just wasn't there. Uh, the offensive rebounding, I mean, yeah, the Celtics did blow up the Knicks on Friday, but you, they gave up 12 offensive boards in that second quarter, and it was just that's alarming. I mean, you're not going to be able to to defeat some of the best teams in the league if you're, if you're giving up that many offensive rebounds, if you're not holding yourself accountable on the defensive end. So, yeah, of course, Jay Crowder, you know, after Avery Bradley – that's your best. That's your best defender. But I think when you're playing against teams like Golden State, like they're going to be playing on Friday, or playing like or playing against teams like Cleveland, I think that's when you miss them the most. But like like they looked against the Cavs, they've proven that they can compete with teams without Jay Crowder and even without Al Horford. But I think that for what they look like without those guys, goes a long way to what I was saying from the beginning about their depth.
And defensively, I think this team is that that's going to be what gets them to the second round of the playoffs that, that they have such high hopes for. So we're going to have to just wait and see. I don't, I don't, I honestly don't see the Celtics rushing Jay Crowder back. Um, Al Horford, we don't know how long it's going to be with the concussion protocol. Um, if I had to guess, I would say, you know, we, we talked, Jerry, we talked before the game, and I'm talking about, like, oh, you know, he's going on to this trip. You know, he's probably going to play against either, either the, the, uh, the, the Pacers or, yep. the, or the Pelicans. It doesn't look like that's going to be the case. I mean, at this point, I'm, I'm hoping we get to see him when they come back home and, and, and play against the uh, – when they play Wednesday against the Mavericks. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But, I mean, yeah, the team misses those guys. But when you're playing teams the way against the Knicks and teams like the Nuggets, you should be able to hold your own against those guys. I mean, that's how good this team is, in my opinion. So, kind of want to ask you a question on something that you said earlier. Obviously, a DeMarcus Cousins rumor popped up. Um, Always does. Yeah, and it, obviously the focal point of that trade is going to be the draft pick of next year. Um, I kind of am on the mindset where I am not trading that draft pick just because you look at this, the crazy talent that's coming out there with Dennis Smith, NC State, Fultz out of the, the kid in Washington. You have Josh Jackson, Harry Giles. It's just an insane amount of talent. Are you on the mindset of you would r- rather trade that pick or would you rather keep it? Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> No, no. I apologize uh, to him. Uh, <laughs> That's his job. That's a tough question. If we're talking to Marcus Cousins, man, that pick is going to come up. And if the Kings are holding you by it and they're like, you know, we're going to need that pick to make a deal, I would make it. I honestly would. If we're talking about the Marcus Cousins here, okay, here's, here's, my, here's my package, I guess, my, my godfather offer, the most I would like to see the Celtics give up. And that would be the Brooklyn pick. Marcus Smart. And one of the bigs, whether that means, you know, Amir Johnson for contract reasons to, to match up, or Tyler Zeller, one of those guys, maybe, maybe even both of them. I mean, look, this is the Kings. This is their franchise guy. This isn't going to be, you know, okay, we'll just take that pick and that's going to be the highlight of the deal. They're going to ask for guys like Avery Bradley. They're going to ask for guys like Jay Crowder. I don't think you should. I don't think the Celtics should give up one of those guys. And the pick, but if you were talking about Marcus Smart, you know, a six-man backup guy that who he is right now for the Celtics, I would pull the trigger. And Marcus today. Smart and, and the Brooklyn pick; those are the highlights of the of the of the package deal. But if they're asking for anything more than that for Demarcus Cousins, for a guy who is, in my opinion, one of the most, one of the, the probably possibly the best uh, ba- uh, big man in the league, but comes with a lot of baggage. And I think because of that baggage. I'm going to say no to Avery Bradley. I would say no to um, a trade, you know, for maybe Jay Crowder. Uh, see, I don't know. Because <laughs> if you're asking for one of those guys, then I'm, I'm, I'm keeping the pick. I'm saying no. Keep the Brooklyn pick. If you're going to ask for Jay Crowder or if you're, if you're saying Avery Bradley or no deal, then I'm saying you keep the pick. Either or. But if, I, if I'm Danny Age, I'm saying pick, Marcus Smart, a couple big men, deal. That's, that's my godfather offer. Well, I was actually going to ask in regards to trades, Is other than Al Horford, is there anybody who's really an untouchable? And when I say that, I'm kind of alluding to, is Isaiah Thomas... When you trade Isaiah Thomas, is, is what Isaiah, asking is, you. <laughs> is, is, is Isaiah Thomas truly, absolutely, you will not trade him for anybody? I mean, what, who's anybody, though? I mean, <laughs> I mean I'm talking... <laughs> Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Anthony Davis. Yeah, Anthony That's Davis. the conversation we were having earlier, where Jared brought up Anthony Davis. Love him. 
in something to regards to that, would Isaiah Thomas be an absolute untouchable? No. <laughs> uh, yeah. We I'm are, gonna say yes. His hair is going to be gray by the end of this interview. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to say yes because you're going to. Yeah, I'll, I'll say yes. Yeah. <laughs> Short answer. But that's it. That's it. Look, like I, I'm a I'm a big Avery Bradley guy, but. I'm not going to call him untouchable, no. So I'm going to say yes to Isaiah. Everyone else is not necessarily untouchable, no. Just just from this small sample size that we're seeing that we're seeing with this team, how it's currently constructed, do you still feel like the all the hype going into the season of them being the second best team in the East is still there? I mean, I know they're missing a couple of guys so far, but we pretty much know what we're going to probably see from this team moving forward if they keep the team how it is how do you feel they still stack up against the rest of the eastern conference i think the hype may have been a little too too big for this team um you can't forget about the toronto raptors this is a team that's been you know they've been put together for a while they've been trying to make that make that run and you can't you can't sleep on them i mean look at the way demar Derozan is playing right now Demar Derozan is leading the league in scoring uh kyle lowry is always consistent for those guys you know they these guys are all, they're, they're a 51-win team no matter what. I mean, I think the Celtics could win 50 games as well, but I don't see them finishing the season with a better record than the, than the Raptors. Of course, I don't see them finishing with a better season with a better record than the Cavs. But after those two teams, I think, yes, it's, it's fair to, to, to put the Celtics in the third or fourth seed by the end of the season. Um, this is a team that's not going to be, you know, they're not going to go off and, 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 and win the next ten games, but I think at the end of the season, when they when when they're they're a finished product, as Brad Stevens put it, before Friday's game, I think they should be able to finish third, if not fourth. If they if they're unable to to crack the top four, I would say that would be a bit of a disappointment. But I'm not going to say that they won't get out the first round like they like they failed to last season. Josue Pavone, WEIC on us radio. Uh, Josue, appreciate the time, and of course, I'll uh, talk to you soon. All right, Jared. Appreciate it, guys, man. Have a good one. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Thanks for man. coming on. Um, 